0: Hi, everybody. This is Greg Penix, and you're listening to the 43rd issue of Fantasy Comic Book Editor League. Um, before we, uh, start with the meat of today's episode, we're going to be looking at our weekly titles that began in 1940. We have two of them Amazing Weekly and Fun Weekly, uh, the kind of, uh, the weekly for the younger set. But, uh, I did add some even more things to my, uh, uh, other things I've been talking about the past few weeks, I just keep finding all these things that I can shoehorn into amazing comics. So um, first I wanted to talk about, um, I made a few changes uh, with Amazing Tales, our flagship title that uh, has, you know, five uh, five monthly features ever since 1940, um, usually from the realms of literature, uh myth, uh, folklore. Um, and uh, in 1963, uh, after Hugo Pratt leaves Alan Quartermain, our Alan Quartermain series, we're going to have Alfredo Alcala do double duty on that. He's also doing Robert the Conqueror at the time. But I totally forgot about this amazing Spanish artist who uh, mainly was seen on our shores uh, starting around like nineteen seventy. Of war in comics, you know, they went on that Spanish safari where they rounded up all these great Spanish artists and started publishing, publishing them in Eerie and Creepy and Vampirella. But one of the finest was uh, Victor de la Fuente, and he was already a pretty middle aged guy at that point. He'd been doing comics forever, and uh, but man, he was good and um, so good that he did lots of fantasy um paperback covers. Uh, He also did lots of westerns back in Europe. And uh, as late as the, I think the 2000s, he was doing westerns for an Italian publisher with scripts by Jodorowsky, which I would love to see that comic. And, uh, well, I mean, anything written by Jodorowsky is good. But drawn by Victor De La Fuente, that's uh, just a bonus. So that was going to be the change. So all the Alan Quartermain's, until Alex Toth takes over in 1970. Are going to be drawn by Victor De La Fuente. Also, um... minor changes. I have Sinbad going on for a little longer. Sinbad uh, continues until 1976. And, uh... and that's going to be my Vincente Alcazar. Um, also, 1001 Nights is going to start in 76. Um by Michael Kaluta and I believe that's a year later than I originally said it would so I just did a little house cleaning, switching things around and I'm not sure if I talked about this Uh, I can't remember if I've corrected this but 1993, The Amazing Tales Annual which is basically like our classics illustrated uh, once a year we do one book adapt it Um, it's going to be a Midsummer Night stream by Charles Vess so I think I might have mentioned that, but I can't remember. Um, a few more additions to Zero Monthly are slick, uh 96-page magazine size, comics magazine for adults that uh, starts in around 1960. And I just keep thinking of all these great things that could go in there. And um, I can't believe I forgot this the first time around. 1968... We're going to start publishing The Tales of Trash Man by Spain Rodriguez, the great underground comics uh, creator. And Trash Man was like, a lot of people say it's almost like inspiration for Road Warrior, that uh, suspect that George Miller must have read these comics. Because it takes place in this kind of dystopian world, Uh, if you can imagine a dystopian world um, uh, created by hippies, you know, imagined by hippies. Because basically there's this fascist, you know, white male, shitty state power that's uh, trying to crush everyone. They've got almost everyone under their heel. But there's still a bunch of, like, hippie rebels who uh, are almost like superheroes, some of them. Like, Trashman has these powers. He's got, like, a sixth sense from studying this uh, system. Uh, So he's uh, almost like a superhero. But for the most part, he just drives around in a cool cars and motorcycles and blows the shit out of co- out of cops as uh, sorry, blows the shit out of cops with a shotgun or something, you know? So it's not as science fiction as it sounds. But man, it's some really, really fucking fun stuff. Some of the probably most viscerally fun make uh, underground comics were it it- actually belonged in heavy metal. it was more like action, even though it had some like hippie ethos here and there. It was really just an amazing sci fi action uh comic and made by spade, so it was beautiful to look at uh the next year nineteen sixty nine speaking of Victor De La Fuente, uh we're gonna start um we printed his hexter stories. Hexter was uh, his Barbarian. Richard De La Fuente got in on the whole Conan thing. And uh, even though that's actually a year before... Or two years before Conan started at Marvel... Started that whole thing. But in Europe, I guess there was a a little... uh, Underswell of... uh, Is that a word? Underswell? Undertill of uh, Barbarian stuff already coming out. And that was his. And... So, that's going to be happening in zero. Eh, hey, shit. Okay, 1970, one artist I forgot that I really want to poach from Europe is Kazo. Uh, Kazo ama- is this amazing cartoonist. Uh, he's in throughout all the heavy metals. When I was a kid, I loved his stories. Because a lot of stuff in heavy metal, you know, as a kid, it was like like The Mercenary or Dead. You know, kind of like these macho action comics. I mean, believe me, they were great. But Kazu would tell these little, like, funny stories, but amazingly beautifully drawn and colored. His coloring was amazing. Outstanding, his coloring. Just the most beautiful coloring in comics. And... But there'd be these hilarious little stories about this like meek suburban man and his wife but then the supernatural shit would happen like Cthulhu would come out of the refrigerator or I don't know like a uh, giant Japanese monsters would come in his bathtub and just really great stuff and I love those comics as a kid I always look forward to whatever Kaza's stories were in there but he had already started drawing like kind of hippie psychedelic comics in 1970 <laughs> eh. Shit, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so definitely short stories by Kaza as much as we can, every month. And then, even though I mentioned Richard Corbin, I just wanted to be specific and say we're going to start publishing Den, Corbin's famous barbarian comic, Epic, in 1973, when he started creating them. So, uh, we would be publishing them before uh, Heavy Metal got their hooks into them. And, uh, Oh, shit, I just realized. Since he... <laughs> I already had it coming out in 1976. Sorry. I guess in 73, he had published that underground comic that was just like, I don't know, 24 pages of Den. But then by 76, he was ready to turn it into that big, full-color, multi-part epic. So scratch that. 1976, Den by Richard Corbin is premiering which is still a year or two before Heavy Metal was around. Uh, Another really interesting uh, comic from the late 70s all the way through the late 80s, an English comic called Luther Arkwright by Brian Talbot. And uh, Brian Talbot, really great artist. uh, Should be more popular than he is. Just always seems to be like hovering on the fringes of mainstream stuff, you know, every now and then he does a Batman comic or something for DC or something but ever since the mid 70s he's he was drawing like the English undergrounds which were more like our ground level comics like Star Reach they had all these black and white comics that were a little more adult but they could, they were mostly science fiction and um almost like a precursor to what 2018 would become um Brent Talbot, amazing, beautiful style. So detailed. I mean, he ended up working for so The He did some stuff for Nemesis, the Warlock, that is, man, that guy was earning his paycheck. Uh, every page has got like 18,000 ink lines on it. And uh, all in the right place, too. But uh, all through that time, Talbot was working on his own magnum opus, Luther Arkwright, which was a multidimensional... Michael Moorcock inspired, um, you know, like Jerry Cornelius inspired uh, hero. And it was told very maturely. um, Just the techniques he used uh, in the narrative. Um, Not many people were doing any comics at that point. Uh, People like Alan Moore and a lot of those big English writers will point to it as a comic that really influenced them to be like, hey, comics can do something a little more complex or mature when it comes to storytelling and narrative. So, um, I'm going to be really happy to have that series. It's uh, really good stuff. You can get it from Dark Horse Comics if they're still in print. I don't know, but they finished out the series in the late 80s and published all the graphic novels, collecting them. But it's really good stuff. And, uh, of course, Brian Talbot will be floating all around amazing comics. Who be drawing very short stories for us all over the place? Maybe even some villains, um, for for Ms. Forty Five. Uh, that that would be good, or uh, I don't know anything, but uh, so I want to. So today, the meat of the episode today is gonna be we're doing. This is the major revision I've been wanting to do for the past few weeks. And uh, this is basically just adding more detail to uh, our two weekly comics, which started in January 1940, Amazing Weekly, and Fun Weekly. Um, You know, I gave a handful of titles that are series that would be in these, especially in the beginning, the the 40s. But then I kind of trailed off and... You know, but I, I was thinking of other comics that would work Series that would work well Within these weekly comics um, First off though I would like to say a major change That throughout the 40s I, I know there's only 4 titles To a weekly, to a monthly um, But Considering that some of the, we're, the, some of the series In these weeklies In all reality were the best selling comics of their day Selling 2 million copies In issue. I think both Amazing and Fun will have quarterlies. And uh, I guess they'll just be called Amazing Quarterly and Fun Quarterly. And what those quarterlies will do, which will be 64 pages as well, they will just, um, or maybe they'll be 80 pages. I don't know. Maybe they'll be even bigger. They will collect, um, probably have mostly new stories, but maybe a few reprints of, say, Captain Marvel. Um, twice a year. Uh, just in Time. Karl Barks's character, who I imagine would sell just as good as Uncle Scrooge did in our reality, because it's Karl Barks. People didn't really give a shit There was Uncle Scrooge. There were even Uncle Scrooge cartoons in the cinema for kids to, you know, get the crossover appeal. It was just because Karl Barks was such a good writer and artist. And that kids loved his shit so much that... Uncle Scrooge was like a million-selling comic every month. Especially when he drew them. So, yeah. They're all going to have quarterlies. Um, Amazing Weekly... Yeah, I guess, you know, like... Oh, they got Plastic Man. So, I don't know. They'll just be... Most of them will probably be Plastic Man. Since that was the big one. But they could be The Spirit or... You know... Space Hawk by Wolverton. Maybe he'll have an extra-long adventure in the quarterly. Or maybe they'll just be um, a continuation of the normal comic, just random features. But let's get started. So 1940, Amazing Weekly. Some of this is stuff we've uh, talked about before, but I'm just going to go over everything because I don't know what I have added since then. So when uh, Amazing Weekly starts in January 1940, right off the bat, we got some series starting. Space Hawk by Basil Wolverton. Uh, Stardust, by Fletcher Hanks, and that's only going to go to nineteen forty one because that is the year that Fletcher Hanks mysteriously dropped out of comics, and uh, forty years later was found frozen to death on a park bench in some some city. Very strange man, and um, and also in the center spread, we're going to have a Prince Valiant reprints by Hal Foster. So I've already talked about those many times. So there you go. Um, You know, they won't always be in every issue. Um, Also, Fletcher Hanks, obviously, his other characters will be in there, like Fantoma, And uh, I think he has that lumberjack character. But um, Amazing Weekly basically is going to be everything. On top of the series that it has, you know, roughly every week or every other week, There'll be just tons of great short stories. So um starting in the forty you know, mid forties there'll be like crime stories. I guess uh now there'll just be I don't know, fun adventure stories, you know? Whatever. And uh science fiction stories and just great short stories. Uh it's an anthology comic. But it will have these series as anchors. So uh kids will come back every month. Uh, 1941, after a grace period, because the Spirit started in 1940 as a weekly supplement in newspapers, we're going to start reprinting them. And, you know, we'll be a few months behind because I'm sure the newspapers wouldn't want us publishing them where they came out. So the Spirit by Will Eisner will be starting in 1941. And uh, that's going to go all the way up to 1952 when Will Eisner left the Spirit and discontinued it. So that's going to be great. Uh, especially after the war. After World War Two, The Spirit becomes one of the best comics of all time. 1942. Plastic Man by Jack Cole. And uh, that's going to be some... Just just great stuff. I talked about this already. Uh, I'll try not to wax poetic about it. Um, that's going to go to, like, 1950. Uh, that's when Cole left comics and uh, went off to do like fancy playboy cartoons and, and finally got a syndicated strip which was a dream as a comic, lowly comic book guy for years and then he killed himself very strange he got everything he wanted uh, should have been very happy uh, to this day uh, nobody really knows why I don't think there was a suicide note it's a kind of a mystery maybe he was murdered I don't know um. Also, nineteen forty three. I mentioned uh, L. B. Cole, the great psychedelic twisted artist from the forties. He's gonna start. Uh, just doing random. Definitely lots of covers, and um. Um. You know, anytime he has to, uh to do a short story, uh, he's gonna be adding to the short story list of artists that we've got going. Also, you know, whenever Reed Crandall and Lou Fine and Macri Boy, all these great artists that we have in our other titles uh, in Amazing Tales, they'll be drawing short stories for the backups, backups of these too, you know, whenever they have time. Uh, they need a little extra cash. But mostly uh, Fine and Crandall will be working on Victory Squad, our superhero title, whenever they have free time. But who knows? Another thing I wanted to say, Amazing Weekly, sometimes they're just going to have cool covers. I know that sounds weird, but um, back in the 40s when they'd have a comic with all these characters, it would pretty much be like one big character and the little bullets drawings of the backup guys like also featuring uh backup man and uh, not good enough for f- the first main feature lad. But um and you know, we'll do that in our comics, but also sometimes it'll just be a great cover, uh, by OB Cole or Alex Schaumburg or something. Really great artist from the forties. Um, Reed Crandall or something. Uh so uh, that brings us up to then nineteen forty five we're gonna start uh Booty Rogers is gonna create Babe for us. Um, he that was uh, one of his long running series. Very weird, technically for ch- uh, kids, typical kids comic, but it was, there was some shit in there that was like, he was uh, drawn for adults, on the sly. So that's gonna go to nineteen fifty two when Booty Rogers pretty much left comics. So we got Babe in there. Yeah, we got Space Hawk stories every now and then. The Spirit, Plastic Man, Babe. And also that year, 1945, we're going to start doing uh, Harvey Kurtzman's Hey Look one-pagers. The great, clever, amazing gag strips he did um, throughout the late 40s for uh, timely comics. Um, So, I mean, yeah, that's going to be a damn good comic. Especially, it's just going to have great short stories. Just random genre tales. They'll be westerns. They'll be... um, science fiction crime stories just any stories that are good of all genres we're gonna have a few years later of course we're gonna have um, uh, Jack Kirby and uh, Joe Simon are gonna create the romance genre in 47 and I'm sure we'll have some good mature romance stories cause some of those uh, comics man they were really writing for adults that was like one of the first time they were like the market we're reaching for is adult women. And, uh, the, uh, it's kind of the first time a comic book was geared to an adult audience. And, um, speaking of Jack Kirby, 1950, I want to start printing his Boys Ranch, which a lot of Kirby aficionados say is one of his best series from that time. I've never read it. But, uh, Well, I'm sorry, it's Joe Simon as well, back when they were a team. And so we're going to have Boys Ranch starting whenever Kirby has time. You know, there'll be a new Boys Ranch story. That's another thing, too. As the 50s progress, um, Kirby's going to be shitting out ideas, you know, like he did for all the companies. So he's going to be you know, creating a little series here and there for us in Amazing Weekly. Things he'll own. Just weird little concepts he can do for, I don't know, 20 issues if he feels like it. Just to tell a long story. Or a one shot. 1954, Fighting American by Jack Kirby. His uh, superhero parody comic will start. Um, that'll go for as long as he wants. Um, it only lasted like a year in our reality just because the sales weren't good. But it'll uh, be in Amazing Weekly, which will have a huge circulation, I'm sure. Then there's a huge jump. I I got no ideas for the 60s and later 50s. But Kirby now is in full uh, grasp of his power. So all those great concepts he made in the late 60s, early 70s, he's going to be doing them for Amazing Weekly, as well as working on our normal superhero titles and Amazing Comics. So 1972, he's going to start Commandy as a series in Amazing Weekly. And uh Amazing Weekly is a 64-page comic, so if he wanted to tell 20-page stories like he did in our reality of the comic, he could do that. There'd still be plenty of room left over. But I figure he'll just serialize the stories, maybe 8, 10, 12 pages, and uh, they'll just go on as long as he wants to, which is a long time. He drew Commandy for years. 1973 I figure we already got Archie Goodwin writing for us and we got young Walt Simonson drawing for us so I want Manhunter the famous DC um, miniseries it it was a 7 part backup in Detective Comics won all the awards that year Walt Simonson busting out of the gate, blowing everyone's mind it's an amazing comic Uh, get your hands on it it's Even though it's a DC hero, Manhunter, Manhunter is a pretty generic title. And it's slightly based on this 40s DC character, but it really doesn't have to be. They totally change his outfit. They totally bring it up to date. And uh, it's so, even if it's not called Manhunter, whatever it was, just a name change would make it... uh, free and clear of DC's grasp so that would be a little series something like that would run in 1973 Um, I also forgot to mention I'm sorry in the 50s when horror was a big thing in EC basically a lot of our backup stories are going to be just lots of horror stuff great uh, EC style amazing gory horror comics like Tales from the Crypt so that's going to be a big thing starting in like 1950 through, you know, whatever. We, um, don't have to follow the comics code that was in 1955 because we had enough clout with our, we have our own shipping. And, uh, just like Dell Comics didn't have to do it, uh, we get away with not doing it just because we say fuck you. 1974, another great Kirby creation, Omec, one-man Army Corps. And, um, you know, I forgot to mention I should explain Commandy to people. You might not know what Commandy was. Sorry, let's jump back two years. Nineteen seventy-two, Commandy was an incredibly fun comic Jack Kirby did, where it's he's the last boy on earth and he's been in this bunker his whole life. But when he comes out, uh the whole world, you know, it's post apocalyptic. The Statue Statue of Liberty's underwater. New York City's underwater. Um random mutated animals rule different parts of the world and America. So like, North Dakota is run by the monkey people and down in Florida, they they got the gator people. And there's like lions and dog people. And all the humans that are left are just like they're like animals. They're not sentient. Uh, Yes, this did come out after Planet of the Apes. It's very inspired by Planet of the Apes. But... What Kirby does with it takes it so many farther dimensions. It was a, just a really fun Kirby concept. Um, his imagination got to go crazy on it, which is always a good thing. Okay, seventy. Let's go back to seventy four now. Omek, another Kirby creation, one man army corps. Omek is in a uh, slightly in the future when uh, basically the whole world's corrupt. It seems like the whole government is like run by the mafia or the mafia is, the government. It's a very corrupt world. And this one guy is kind of this nebbish, uh, you know, kind of office worker, nerd. He somehow gets his power. Uh, he has this satellite in the sky called Brother Eye he can communicate with. And whenever he needs his power, it beams down this force beam and turns him into Omek. One-man Army Corps. I'm going to say it again because the name's so cool. And those are really great. Uh, Jack Kirby could really go off. Just coming up with all his great science fiction concepts. And all his action. Because basically the whole world's out to get him. Really good stuff. So, you know, those could go on forever. See, that same year as Scorpion uh, by Howard Chaykin. will start as a feature in Amazing Weekly. Um, Scorpion is Howard Chaykin's, uh basically 30s... Uh, hero for hire uh, what do you call that type guy you know kind of a mercenary lots of biplanes lots of art deco it's just Howard Chaykin like just doing what he loves to do back then and he's just this kind of snarky charming mercenary and uh, it's implied that he's lived forever he's like a Michael Moorcock character Keeps popping up in history, the same guy with different names. So, um, they never really got to delve into it because Howard Chicken only had two issues to draw it. And then he was like, This place is fucked. I'm out of here. But Scorpion, two of my favorite comics of the 70s, literally of all 70s comics, it's like those two issues, some of the best shit ever made. And uh, you can take your crease, squirrel war, and shove it up your ass. Scorpion's amazing. Chicken will be doing those as long as he wants to. Whatever it feels like it, do a little Scorpion story. Next year, 1975, Howard the Duck is going to start an Amazing Weekly. Because Steve Gerber's been writing for us. And Steve Gerber wholly created Howard the Duck. So, he will create it for Amazing Comics. And I think it would just be great to have it Amazing Weekly, like a little 12 page, 16 page chunks, you know, and uh, still have his own title. and um, But remember, we have the quarterly. So Howard the Duck will be as popular as he is in our reality. And he'll be getting the quarterly probably for the next 10 years. Uh, almost all the quarters will be Howard the Duck. So there will be a Howard the Duck title that just comes out four times a year. It will be pretty big, though. So uh, that might include some reprints and a huge story. Whatever. 1976, Monarch Starstalker by Howard Schenken. This is just uh, me um, giving a piece of candy to my inner child. Uh, probably one of my favorite comics of the 1970s, like all time, was also a Howard Schenken creation. He did for Marvel Premiere one issue. It was called Monarch Star- Starstalker. And, um, I believe I've talked about this in the Atlas comics episode, because in that alternate Atlas comics from the 70s, Monarch Starstalker would be a character. But suffice to say, uh, that was the kind of comic that got me becoming a fantasy comic book editor, because I couldn't accept that it was just one issue. I wanted more. I wanted to imagine a world where there were more stories. And, uh, now I have that world. And, uh... So... Yeah, Monarch Star Stucker is gonna... whatever. Every couple of months, Howard it will tell a story. Maybe every few months. Maybe once a year. But it'll be popping up. 1976. The Eternals by Jack Kirby. Probably Jack Kirby's last epic creation. Um... Not that it's the best. His DC stuff was way better, I think. But Eternal still had a lot of, you know, epic sweep to it. Like the New Gods. It was like a mini New Gods. He only got to do like 19 issues of it before it was canceled. But this could just go on and on and on. So even though Kirby's doing the New Gods, um, on, on the side... He's going to be creating the Eternals for Amazing Weekly. And, um, I guess I should uh, maybe just mention that now. New Gods is our only 64-page title, you know, the superhero group. Pretty much just in the 70s when Kirby's doing it. Because Kirby could draw four normal comics a month size. So we figured instead of having all these random titles, we're just going to give him a big fat comic called New Gods where he can tell his whole epic of course, there'll be side stories in, um, you know, like, uh, I mentioned that Mr. Miracle will have, like, a run in Amazing Spotlight. Uh, other characters in the new guides will be an Amazing Spotlight. But the main thrust of the story will be in that one title. But uh, he, Kirby doesn't have to draw everything in that 64 pages. The, you know, that's, he's not going to draw 64, sixty four sixty 60-page epic every month. There'll be backup stories and um, featuring other characters. And some of those can be, you know, drawn by someone else. Because, I mean, I would love to see interpretations of uh, his characters by someone else. Um, Lodo, the barbarian type character, have like, have Neil Adams draw that for a few issues as a backup. So Kirby will have definitely enough time to like do all these side projects. Because Kirby just uh, has too many ideas. He doesn't know what to do with himself, so I'm sure even though he had his uh, druthers with having a new God's 60 pages every month, he's still going to be like, oh my God, this other idea I want to develop for at least a few issues. So maybe Eternals will just be like, I don't know, six issues or something here and there, whatever it feels like telling a story. But um, yeah, that's going to be in uh, another feature. 1982, I definitely want. Rocketeer by Dave Stevens One of the most beautifully drawn comics In the 80's uh, The Rocketeer takes place in the 30's Oh I just realized He could maybe beat the Scorpion And uh could have a crossover That could be fun And uh Yeah the Rocketeer Just appeared as a short backup feature Uh in various comics From Eclipse In like 1982, And people freaked out. There was no market for a 30s character... ...who had a rocket pack... ...who fought low-level gangsters. But it was just so well-drawn and written... ...that people just freaked out about it. So it got its own comic... ...and like a beautiful graphic novel collection... ...of all short stories. And it became a movie from Walt Disney... ...even, like a few years later. Maybe six years later, eight years later. But, um... ...unfortunately... Dave Stevens was so popular doing posters, commission work, because he was so good. He didn't have much time to actually do comics. So, basically, all the Rocketeer stories could fit in a you know a not very fat graphic novel, which is kind of sad. But maybe you know would be paid better at Amazing, and we'd squeeze some more Rocketeer stories out of Dave Stevens than this reality did. That same year, nineteen eighty two. I think this would be a great feature for Amazing Weekly. Gru the Wanderer, by Sergio Aragonis, with help from Mark Evanier, and uh, Gru is a, a Sergio Aragonis, uh, the mad artist who does the marginals, uh, the little drawings in the margins, and as well as many other things. But in nineteen eighty two, he created his own character, a barbarian parody named Gru, and. It's probably the longest-running, like, independent comic uh, in history. I mean, I think there's, like, 200 issues of Gru. And uh, maybe, like, Spawn the Ceramis. But, um... And the Savage Dragon, of course. But Gru is uh, some funny stuff. And, you know, it would just be nice to have a funny series. Even though we do have Howard the Duck. Which would totally be going strong at that time. But, um... Again, Grew might be able to be in Fun Weekly... But I think Gru... Was kind of technically for adults... Some of the humor... And, uh, it was a little gory. So, I think it belongs in Amazing Weekly. Then in 1983... Uh... The great, classic, golden age... Western... Uh, cowboy artist... Doug Wiley came back to comics uh, with his own character named Rio. This was another comic done for Eclipse, by the way, in our reality. But he's going to be doing it for Amazing Comics Weekly. And, um, so, and at this point, it's the 80s. All of our comics are going to be printed on, like, nice paper with good printing. So, Doug Wildey's beautiful painted art will be able to, you know, print it just fine. And, uh, yeah, that was a really great comic. Um, just beautifully painted. And, uh, I mean, this was a guy who could make a million dollars a year working for animation, had a Barbarian shit. But he obviously still loved comics. Every now and then, he'd just draw a comic here and there, usually Western. And, uh, he just couldn't keep away from the medium. But, uh, I guess that's it. I, uh, uh next week, or next time. It could be in an hour. Who knows? Uh, I'm going to tell you about Fun Weekly, which is uh, the the pint-sized version of uh, Amazing Weekly. The, the one geared more towards the toddler set, the youngster, little kids. But um, yeah, that's what I've come up with so far. Obviously, there's many more series in there that I can't remember. Tons of beautiful short stories. Every great artist is going to be drawing them them every great writer is going to be writing them for us so even though I'm just telling you some of the main features that pop up here uh, recurringly um, I'm sorry is that a word recurring characters uh, there will be many you know great short stories it'll just be a great anthology comic but it comes out every week and um that's another thing too. uh just on the business end of things uh Th- We'd have a really strong subscription department to promote that because, you know, something like Amazing Weekly, uh, a kid who grows up in the booties, even though we have great distribution that we do ourselves, you know, they might miss an issue. So we're going to be telling kids, you know, like, yeah, subscribe and you'll never miss an issue. It'll be easy to collect this comic. Every week it'll come to your door. It'll be like this great thing. I wish I lived in that uh, world as a child. If that, that comic could be delivered to me every week... I'd be so fucking happy... With all the good shit in it... And... Um, I also would like to say... Uh, some of these serums I mentioned... Like Plastic Man... And, uh, which pretty much ended in 1950... At least Jack Cole's involvement with it... Which is all that matters... And... Uh, Just In Time by Karl Marx... Um, in the Fun Weekly... Even though I'm getting ahead of myself... But, you know, some of these characters we might license after the characters, either the artists and creators, either dead or retired. Just like Don Rosa took over Uncle Scrooge in the 80s and did beautiful Carl Barks worthy Uncle Scrooge toys. So that's going to be happening with us too. And uh, with our comics. So maybe Plastic Man will license from the, his fa- estate and uh, we'll get... um cool interesting artists to draw like in the 80s Hilary Barter drew this great miniseries series of Plastic Man for DC and in the 90s uh, Kyle Baker did one so a lot of stuff can be done with these characters you know after the character creators, gone okay I guess that's it um, filling in another dark corner of the amazing comics universe and uh, I will continue to do so next time over and out by...